so often throughout the course of history, patriots rise up at a time of need for truth and freedom. These people are called disciples of liberty for their undying love of freedom. The call has been sounded. Will you answer that call or sit back and let freedom die away? Unifying patriots everywhere against the evil trying to destroy America's freedom. You're listening to the Disciples of Liberty Radio Show on the America Out Loud Network. Now here's your host, Tim Alders. All right, welcome back to the Disciples of Liberty. Welcome to the revolution, the revolution of the heart and mind. We have to change things. If you're a Christian, you're a racist. If you're a constitutionalist, you're a racist. If you love freedom and liberty, you're a racist. At least that's what a lot on the left think. Joining us today is Joe Dallas. He's an author, speaker, counselor. He speaks national, uh, nationwide. He's the founder of Genesis Biblical Solutions in Tustin, California, from California, and he's speaking out on this stuff. It's amazing, Joe, what's going on, and you have a new book out. Uh, tell people about your book. I'm excited about this, Tim, and thank you for having me on. Uh, my book coming out August 15th is called Christians in a Cancel Culture, and I guess the title says it all. It's written to equip the average believer uh, on how to speak to friends or loved ones or associates or neighbors who are saying exactly what you just said. If you hold traditional biblical viewpoints on marriage, sexuality, life in the womb, um, the inborn nature of our sex as being assigned male or female and unchangeable, or issues like progressive Christianity, sort of the watering down of the gospel. If you hold the traditional views on these, you are seen as racist, bigoted, misogynistic, hateful, and so forth. And uh, of course, that's a cultural issue. We're seeing it played out nationally and internationally. But you know what? It's also happening in our living rooms. A lot of Christian parents have a daughter come home from university saying, Mom, Dad, have you repented of your racism yet? Mom, Dad, why do you think there's anything wrong with somebody having a sex change operation? Mom, dad, why won't you come to my gay wedding? And a lot of believers are left feeling like, oh my gosh, all of a sudden the environment is not only hostile, it's intruding into my home trying to tell me what I should think or say. How do I respond? Because what we don't want to do is get angry with what James called the wrath of man. Now, we need to get angry. If, if, if people don't have a certain indignation in 2021, they must not really see what's happening. But if we simply blow it with wrath, then we lose our credibility and we lose our control. So John spelled out Christlikeness as being full of grace and truth. I wrote this book to help people address issues with both grace and truth. You know, that is so important in today's world. I tell people all the times, getting in an argument, you lose right at the start. If you get in a fight with somebody, you lose because then it turns to attacking. So I always tell people, attack with facts. Yeah. Uh, attack with your heart. Attack with the passions you believe in. And you can be passionate about a topic, but you also have to be factual about why. And this yeah. is the issue I have being a son of immigrants, people who uh, were held in work camps by the Germans, 
for different reasons. Um, and having people turn them in and, and my parents seeing that, uh, before my mother passed away in 2011, she told me it was coming to America. And it's interesting. Really? Yes, it's so interesting. When she was on her deathbed, she goes, son, you know, you're doing this radio show. You, you wow. just started a few years ago, but you have a voice. You need to get it out there because I lived it. And what I lived, I'm seeing. And I'm seeing it every day, too, because I love everybody. And I was taught to love everybody. But just because I love someone doesn't mean I have to accept their behavior. I don't have to accept a family member who is uh, abusing alcohol or drugs. I have to love them unconditionally, but I don't have to accept that behavior as the status quo. And right. this is what a lot on the left don't understand is, hey, we love you as people. Jesus tells us to love everybody, but we don't have to accept that marriage is just between a man and a woman, and it's every other thing that you want to say it is. We can stay out of your lives. We can let you have your own liberty, but you, we don't have to allow our children to be programmed. We don't need it in the schools. But it seems like school boards all across this country, and it's, department, it's a problem with having an agency called the Department of Education hmm. that runs this on the federal side and tries to tell small Christian communities how they should live their lives and that they're living their lives wrong, and mom and dad has been wrong, and their pastor has been wrong, and the Constitution's been wrong. This is what these kids grow up hearing. And I tell people all the time, your kids are getting this 8 to 15 hours a day between media and schools. Your sermon that you hear on Sundays or Saturdays or the time you hear is it's hard to battle one hour a week with 15 hours a day of negativity. And so we're starting to see this, and we're starting to see uh, people of youth with courage stand up to school boards, and we're starting to see other people. But this transgender thing in the Olympics and everything else, it's just wrong. Live your life, but you know, you're trying to make things equal that God made unequal. Well, I think we've got two issues going on simultaneously there, Tim. And by the way, I, I so appreciate you bringing up your parents. You know, I have friends uh, in my church who are from Romania. And they are so exasperated with American Christians because they say, for heaven's sake, we have lived through this, and you seem so blind, you don't even see what is happening all around you. So I, I appreciate what your mother said. I think the two issues we've got, one is the issue of the thing itself. Is transgenderism normal? Can you really become a girl if you were born a boy? And I'm firmly convinced that no, you can't. You can chop your body up, but that will no more change you into a girl than amputating a limb would change you into a girl. That's not going to happen. Your DNA is still going to say male. So that is one issue that we can argue with people is whether or not it is possible to accept uh, or, or, or to rather identify as something you are not and thereby make it happen. But then the other issue is, do I have the right not to go along with your belief? If you are really convinced that you can identify as the opposite sex and thereby you become the opposite sex, Okay, from where I'm sitting, that's a delusion. I, I, I can't identify myself as a millionaire and thereby make myself a millionaire. That's not going to fly. I've tried but, it for years, Joe. Yes, well, I'm, I'm trying to identify as a 30-year-old, and I'm not having much luck either, Tim. So I, I, get, I, I, I would have to say you're entitled to your delusion, okay? And I respect the fact that you have that right. But what you don't have the right to do is to force me to go along with it. 
Now, just yesterday, I got an email from a very concerned man who works for a large corporation, which is trying to get all of its employees to sign an agreement that if a coworker has a sex change operation, they must now use the new pronoun and the new name the coworker desires. This is coercing individuals to violate their own conscience. My own conscience tells me if you are pretending to be something you're not, I do not wish to join you in that particular delusion. And yet citizens in this country are being coerced into doing just that if they want to keep their jobs or their careers or their reputation. So we've got, on the one hand, the issues themselves, abortion, homosexuality, transgender, race, and progressive Christianity. Then we've got the question of whether or not government has the right to force us to comply with its revision on these issues, because it's basically what happened, as I'm sure you've seen, over the last 20 years especially, the culture has been revising terms like hatred, gender, autonomy, freedom, love, and so forth. And now, just as in Orwell's 1984, the Inquisitors are coming forward saying, we have a new meaning of a word. The Ministry of Truth has redefined the word you must go along with and give lip service to that redefinition. And this is where both Christians, strong Bible-believing Christians, and also solid patriots are saying, this is neither in the spirit of my faith nor my nation. This is not what we do in America. We do not coerce each other into saying what they do not believe. So at some point, we've got to ask ourselves, which hills are worth dying on? Freedom of speech, conscience, and religion? Oh, yeah, they're worth dying on. You know, I uh, I spoke and uh, studied many religions throughout time on the radio. I wanted to be, you know, uh, widely known as somebody who listens to anybody's um, arguments, not just my own. And one of the things that I kept finding was, you know, when good becomes evil and evil becomes good, you know, that's when this nation should fear. It's when... They start to change the terminology, like you said, when they start to rewrite history. And look who is responsible for the rewriting of history. You know, you get a small, very vocal group that entices media and government. And and people who believe the media does not play a role, has not paid attention to Hollywood for uh, generations. Because Hollywood, they make billions of dollars pitching the things that they are now complaining about. You know, they're anti-gun, yet almost every movie has gun violence in it. Mm-hmm. How anti-gun are they? Almost every uh, movie star has private security that's armed. It's, it's not that they want themselves to change their lives and direction. They want to control the Christian's direction. And this is where, when you said, you know, what's worth fighting and dying for, this is where I say religious people, Christian, Judeo-Christian people in the United States, no matter what persuasion they are, have to unite and fight this. The, the problem with Christian societies is we believe God's going to intervene. I think a lot of Christians believe God's going to intervene and he's going to find the right politician to fight for them. And they don't have to stick their, stick their neck out because it's, it's tough. 
this argument is tough, Joe. We have it daily. You know, I post something on Twitter that's a Bible verse, and people says, oh, you don't know. Uh, World War II the other day, I posted something because here in Utah, they're passing laws, and they're making it easier for people to turn in their neighbors if they do fireworks or turn in their neighbors if they don't wear masks or, you know, give people hassle if they don't take the vaccine. And I posed the question, you know, when did we become Nazi Germany? And people are like, you need to read your history. And I'm like, oh, me? You know? The, the fact of the matter is that's exactly what the Nazis wanted you to do. If you didn't believe in their ministry of truth, what their truth was, see, they don't believe the fact that everybody can have a different truth, that you can lean a different way Christian than I, my religion is, but we're both Christians. It's like, okay, you have to have this main religion. You are Roman Catholic or you're part of the Roman Catholic Church or you're not a religious man. This is why the founders did this. They wanted people to be able to have your own beliefs. And this is what the left is attacking in this nation. And it makes it hard to have the discussions when your kid comes home. You know, your kid has listened to a college professor tell them that their parents are wrong. And so they go home and say, Mom and Dad, you're wrong. Uh, This is, and it's easy to sell people on the argument of love. You know, you're not embracing these people because you're not accepting. Uh, Acceptance and Love are two different things. Well, I often point out to people, it isn't fair to ask people to approve in order to believe that they accept you as a person, because nobody completely approves of anybody. If you're going to make complete approval the standard by which you determine whether or not somebody loves you, then nobody loves anybody, because nobody completely approves of anyone. But you bring up an important point. Um, One of the chapters in my book, Christians in a Cancel Culture, is called Starring You. And uh, I, I talk about the process of starring Jewish citizens under Hitler's regime. And uh, prior to the star being, being uh, imposed on Jewish citizens, why there was already an education program going on to indoctrinate the people of Germany as to what Jewish people were. They began slandering them, questioning their motives. They began edging them out of culture, the universities, the public places, their books were being burned. So that by the time the star was imposed, the yellow star on Jewish citizens, the culture had already been taught that Jewish citizens were dirty, communist, sneaky, greedy, and of less value than um, non-Jewish citizens. So that by the time they were cat- they, they had been identified, they'd already been categorized. Now we are being starred. We are being edged out of university life. We're being edged out of professions. If, if uh, a Christian student graduates from a Christian university and wants to go into law or into psychology or even into medicine, there are now universities of higher learning that are saying no. And there are now institutions that are saying, no, you are from one of those bigoted universities. Therefore, you would not be fit to serve people. Uh, Book burning, of course, is already happening. Tim, I had one of my books banned by Amazon a couple of years back because a gay activist had complained to Amazon and said, this book by Joe Dallas is homophobic. You shouldn't carry it. And that was enough for Amazon to say, with no explanation, we have removed your book from our category. It has now been banned by Amazon. Now, 
people will often say, oh, come on, Joe Dallas, relax. You're not being hauled off to a concentration camp. No, I'm not. But how the heck do you think this kind of stuff begins? Hitler didn't begin by saying, okay, now we're going to round up all the Jews and murder them. It began by dehumanizing and denigrating the Jewish population. This is what's being done to social conservatives in general in America, whether Christian or not, but particularly to those who are Bible-believing Christians. Now, are we supposed to run away from persecution or sit around and feel sorry for ourselves? Of course not. Persecution has been a reality of life from the time that the church was birthed. But here's what gets to me. We were birthed into a nation that was largely founded on Judeo-Christian values and in which religious liberty has been granted. And for that reason, we've been free to have a robust, healthy church and a robust, healthy Christian life. Now, if we sit there and in our laziness and passivity allow that to be taken from us, I don't call that persecution. When something is imposed on you and there's nothing you can do about it, that I would call persecution. But if you had the ability through your voting, through your organizing, through lifting your voice to resist and even overturn this kind of heavy handedness, then as far as I'm concerned, when you get persecuted, you largely brought it on yourself by your own laziness. Those are two very different things. You know, it's it's really interesting because I uh, made a post the other day about basically uh, the critical race theory and the mm-hmm. hypocritical, uh, the hypocrisy of the left and how they're educating these people. And it, it's funny because I posted a picture of the big Black Lives Matter that was painted on the streets in uh, Portland and Seattle, you know, takes up a whole road. And I said, it's sort of hypocritical that these people are complaining about white people, yet they have black-only colleges. They have black-only clubs. They have Black History Month. They have all this. Everything that they are complaining about, they're doing. Yet, if you say this is sort of a reverse racism, and I I try to explain to people, listen, hatred exists. You're going to find people that that are black that hates Hispanics or whites. You're going to find whites that hate Hispanics or blacks. You're going to find Hispanics. You're going to find Asians. Hatred exists within the people. You can't fix hatred. You know, but there are many successful African Americans who just call themselves Americans who struggled and got themselves up that are very frustrated by what's going on. And if they speak out, they're canceled by their own groups. Absolutely. And and Absolutely. so we live this cancel culture. It's not just Christians. It's you right. know, it's it's everybody. But Christians have to step up and decide. I tell people all the time, God wants you to be an active participant in your life. This is our test here on this mortal plane. We're not here to let somebody else defend God and defend the virtues of Christianity. God's going to judge us eventually. He's going to say, what did you do? Did you speak out or did you hide in your home? Because I'll tell you what, the people that hid in their home in town after town in Europe were overran. And there was nobody left to fight because nobody gathered together and said, enough is enough. Let's stop this. And there are groups among every community uh, Latins, uh, Americas for, for Christianity, uh, you know, uh, black Americans for Trump. You got all these different groups that are out there that are trying to stand up for religion and freedom. 
-hmm. yet we're not uniting. And that's what Democrats count on, is that the other side won't unite together because of their differences. Well, and also they do have control over so much of what we hear and see. They do have the microphone, largely. Now, shows like yours are the exceptions, but certainly not the rule. By and large, the American public is fed a regular diet of everything that we are speaking against. But this, to me, also raises an important point. In my book, I tried to point out that a lot of Christians feel as though if you get involved in resisting these coercive measures that government is taking, you're sort of relying on natural means to achieve a spiritual end, and you should let God take care of the situation. And they basically say, don't you trust God and his ability to overthrow evil and so forth? And of course I do, but I also know that God commissioned humanity to be the voice and to take the action. Hitler was not overthrown just because people sat around and prayed. The most committed Bible-believing Christians of the time were also the ones involved in the underground resistance. So I think, for example, of the Tin Boom family in Holland, who sheltered so many Jewish people, and most of whom lost their lives because of that, they prayed on a regular basis for Jewish people and for their safety, but they also not only spoke out against the madness that was going on, they sheltered people, they took action, they did something redemptive because they realized God has not commissioned us to just sit and watch. Man was not placed in the Garden of Eden as a spectator. God told him, do something with this place. Use your mind, use your creative abilities to keep the place up. Now, we are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and we will answer to God, not for whether or not evil happened, because as you said, Tim, hatred is always going to be there, but rather, how did we respond to the challenges of our time? That's what we're going to answer for. Now, if we are first and foremost in our own lives holding to biblical principles. I can't say I'm against homosexuality and transgenderism if I am also secretly using pornography or having an affair or giving myself over to lust. That's blatant hypocrisy. But we first have to be applying truth to our own lives, but then we must be in a robust way teaching it and preaching it in our own churches and in our own homes, and then speaking to the culture, no matter how well or how poorly we are received, because these are not issues we can be silent about. Some issues we can agree to disagree on. Other issues we cannot negotiate. And, and our freedoms, our basic freedoms, are some of those issues, because uh, this is a hard thing for people to accept, but it's true. A robust church is big government's worst nightmare. When Christianity is flourishing, you also see individualism flourish, you see independence flourish, you see enterprise flourish. Those are three things big government does not want. Big government always wants its citizens to be dependent and compliant. The church is never going to say Caesar is Lord. Therefore, the church will always be a thorn in the side to any government that wants to expand its power over the citizens. And that, in my opinion, is exactly why we have the conflict we're having today. We are in a time when our leadership in this nation largely wants to expand governmental power to the point where it reaches right into your home. No Bible-believing Christian can allow that. And for that reason, I think we're, we're seeing more and more escalation, which we can't run from. 
Joe, do you have time to do another segment? Take a a, a quick break and and do another segment because there's so be much I, I want to talk about. To, we're, we're talking to Joe Dallas. You're going to be able to find his book on the America Out Loud Network if that's okay with Joe. Um, he Absolutely. says it's it's okay. So we're gonna we're gonna post a link to to get his book. Uh, it's 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 important. The discussion we're having is so important because notice we're having a discussion. I I tell people and and he said something that was so powerful. I agree to disagree. Whenever I'm on social media and I post something and somebody starts attacking me and I know it's going to go negative and they're not going to listen to facts or truths or do any research themselves, I say, listen, we'll agree to disagree and they'll keep attacking me, but I leave it there because nothing makes them look worse than saying, okay, we're going to agree to disagree and have them continually go after me. You're listening to the America Out Loud Network, the Disciples of Liberty. The reason I named, renamed my show and rebranded it was because we have missionaries. We have Christian missionaries that go out, but liberty needs disciples. We need to defend truth. We need to defend God's truth. We need to defend the Constitution's truth. Because if you're a Christian, you believe God wrote the Constitution through man and that this is the last free nation on earth, and it was supposed to be a beacon. And if America fails and we lose these battles here, where are you going to go? My parents came here because of what was going on, and we'll talk more about that. I'm going to share a story with Joe that I haven't shared on the radio in 15 years. So we'll be back after this break, folks. Never before in our history have we witnessed the level of hatred that is now being waged against our law enforcement. While anarchist groups create havoc and overwhelm our first responders, these same groups and their corporate supporters are calling for the police forces to be shrunk and defunded. What can you and I do to make a difference? How can we stand up for what is right and to show our support? That's what I'm going to tell you about this incredible new platform. It's called ShopToTheRight.com. And it's a new shopping platform that will help you find businesses that align with your values. They feature products made in America. They support veteran-owned businesses as well as our law enforcement community. This is a time when we need to stick together. We need to shop together. And we need to support each other. It's time for you and I to make some noise and stand up to protect our country. And one easy way to do that is to shop and give our money to companies that don't seek to destroy our way of life. So join the fight for liberty. ShopToTheRight.com. Support those American businesses that support law enforcement and veterans. Is a record player the best way to listen to music? Of course not. So why are you still taking vitamins that haven't been upgraded since the 1930s? Even if your vitamins aren't hard to swallow, it's time to upgrade to Healthy Cells pill-free, patent-pending microgel supplements that work at the cellular level to boost immune health, sleep better, focus deeper, and stay younger longer. They taste great, convenient on the go, and they're more natural too, without chemical binders, fillers, and coatings. Go to HealthyCell.com 
and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of any product. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. AmericaOutloud.com. Simply put, we're patriots who believe in Ronald Reagan's vision of a shining city on a hill. From sea to shining sea, you can listen in on iHeartRadio. Our free apps are on Apple, Android, or Alexa, or our world-class media player. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Welcome back, the Disciples of Liberty, our guest, Joe Dallas. And you can find his new book, Christians in a Cancel Culture, at joedallas.com. It's pre-ordered. They're getting it ready. I know what that's like from my book, Origins of Liberty. I can't post any social media advertising because of the word liberty, Joe. You'll find that interesting. Oh, boy. Uh, I'm loving this topic. I'm loving this topic for a multitude of reasons. And I love my intro music. I love that song when I found that song, Born Free. You know, you can knock me down, you can watch me bleed, but you can't put chains on me. And that's exactly what the left's trying to do. And one of the things I I wanted to talk to you, it's an observation I have. I love making observations about life. And I look at the observation of this pandemic we are still in, according to many. And Mm. I look at the you know, swine flu and everything else. We never blew it up like this, but why? Well, when you make people stop gathering and you make churches stop practicing churches and you make people sit in their homes and the only entertainment they have is the news media or TV and Hollywood and every commercial is indoctrination into um, Pride Month or Black Lives Matter or whatever, and, and they're pitching this, you don't have your pastor to talk to. You don't have that buddy in your church to go and say, hey, what's going on? They wanted to separate us. Now, it, it's interesting because I, I told the story about you know Utah now wanting to make a website that makes it easier to turn your neighbors in for, for doing fireworks. Now, Utah is drier. I've done firework shows for 50 years. I'm not going to do it this year because I don't want to start a fire, but that was my choice. But I could do fireworks, and I know I could do them without starting a fire. I could tell my neighbors to, to water their lawns you know, uh, that night and have the sprinklers on because we're allowed on that day. And there's there's certain things you could do, but government's still going to do it. And I always love it when government's allowed to do something, but we're not. They're allowed to do these massive fireworks shows, but we're irresponsible. Only government's responsible. Well, I told you, Joe, a little bit about my parents. My parents were immigrants to America. Uh, they grew up as young preteens in World War II. My mother was a very darker-skinned Dutch person, came from an area where they had a lot of African-American blood. She was a really small lady, 5'5". I used to tease her and call her Toad. 
She had the black, you know, I call it nappy hair, but it was my mother. That's what she called it. That It's not a racial slur. It's just her hair was very uh, brittle and, and tough, and, and she grew up. And my parents never really talked about what they were doing until I had kids and my mom was living with me. But my dad told me a story once about uh, – he was a 15-year-old boy, and he had a brother who was 17 named Johan. My dad's name was Willem. And they were put in German work camps. My mother was put in a camp where they had to sew uniforms and, and she learned a skill of sewing. And, and, uh, but my dad was put in a work camp where they had to make uh, ammunition and, and, uh, and build the things that the Germans were using to conquer Europe. Well, my dad and his brother escaped from the work camp and they sought refuge in a Christian church in the basement of a Christian church. And the Christian church leaders told the Germans they were there. And so the Germans went and pulled them out on Sunday and had my grandmother there. And the German officer had a, a pistol to my dad's head. They had a, my dad and his brother up against the wall. And he said, um, I want you to tell me which son you love the most. And then the other will be taken back to the, uh, to the uh, camp. And she goes, I can't tell you. And he started to squeeze the trigger on my dad and then turned it and shot uh, my uncle in the head at 17 years old because they had so indoctrinated some of the people that it was better to stay in the good graces of the Germans uh, than it was to go against the Germans. And it's so interesting as my mom, as she was getting in her later years, my dad had died years earlier and she was living with us and in a, a school asked my mother to go talk about what it was like growing up in, in Holland in World War II. And my mom never had told stories. And she sat there and the teacher recorded it and gave me a copy. And it's like, I wish I would have had those conversations. But my mother talked about how at 13, she was taken off the bike, dragged to a camp. She was shaved. Her head was shaved and she was numbered. She was considered unclean because she was darker skin. And she told this class that that's the only reason they didn't rape her. And that they taught her skill and made her use do the uniforms. Well, years after we was living in America, and I didn't know this, the Germans were settling with the Dutch people that were in camps. And both my parents decided, my mother said at that time, that they didn't want reparations. They didn't want somebody to pay them for what they learned because they learned that coming to America for liberty and freedom was important. They didn't want somebody to be able to get it off their conscience and buy their way back into heaven is how my mother put it. She's like, I don't need reparations. I had options. I had America to come to to live free. She said, when we saw the American soldiers, we knew that there were people who cared and there are always people that care. And she goes, and I always knew there were people that hated and there will always be people that hate. But if we let people who care make people who hate pay the people, it's like what they went through was had a dollar figure put to it. It's mm -hmm. like, okay, well, your crime wasn't that bad. We just put a dollar figure to what your, you went through was. And she says there's no dollar figure for what people went through in Holland or what the Jews went through or what people in these other nations went through. When we allow people to place monetary value on hatred, where does it end? 
And I look at this today and I look at what's going on and, and all these people want to demand everybody else not only accept what they're doing, to participate with what they're doing. And we were warned by different Christian churches when they were legalizing gay marriage. It wasn't about them being opposed to gay marriage. They were opposed to performing the ceremonies. They didn't want them to force it into their belief system. Yet here in America now, they don't want just the right to do it. They want to make everybody else accept it and do it with them. This is what my mother warned me about. It's when evil becomes prevalent and they try and force that evil upon you. And even if it goes against your belief, you have to change your belief. Mm -hmm. And I think this is what your book's about. Uh, Christians in a cancel culture. Because people like me, we have to be very cautious of how we advertise a show or all these media platforms will just wipe us off the face of the earth with a button. That's not what America is about, but it's about what this battle is. See, this to me is the lesson that I think your family would scream from the grave is when you allow cancel culture to thrive, they do not just cancel your freedom of speech. They cancel all of your freedoms. It is about canceling what God has endowed us with, and that is freedom. Uh, I, I think that the naivety that we're seeing among many people today is the belief that whatever is happening, it will stop there. And many Jewish families stayed in Berlin because they thought, however bad it's getting, certainly it's going to end. This is just a phase. It's not going to get any worse. And thereby, they did not resist. They assumed, well, it will simply blow over. That's not the case. And this is an important lesson of history. When you collectively denigrate any group, that is the beginning of the destruction of that group. Now, again, Tim, we're Christians. We're not all about self-preservation. That's not the point. If our lives are going to be taken for the cause of Christ, then praise God, what could be a higher honor than to wear a martyr's crown? That is true. But the question becomes, if it could have been prevented, can you really call it martyrdom? I would say no. And I think that this is why we need to recognize it's not just about protecting our comfort as Christians. It's about protecting God-given rights that have been bestowed on this nation and about the indescribable harm that is done to people when those rights are being denied. There is something in the human heart, the unredeemed human heart that in many cases is malevolent. You described a malevolent man. Only a malevolent man could do what that guard did to your family, to your uncle, to your grandmother. Only the most malevolent kind of a sick soul could do a thing like that. But those kinds of souls are ignited when they are given a green light to do what they want to do. Do you really think, does anybody really think that all these marchers that we saw in 2020, vandalizing cities, burning buildings, beating people up, invading restaurants and public places, do we really think they did all of that out of some ideological passion? Of course not. There are plenty of people already sick enough to want to beat somebody up, to want to intimidate someone, to, to want 
to impose harm on other people. And the social movements we're seeing today with the government sanction, they are basically giving a green light to these groups, just as Nazism gave a green light to sadistic, mentally ill thugs who wanted to hurt people and were given a cause saying, okay, we'll give you permission to do what you're chomping at the bit to do. Let's go kick some doors down and beat up some Jewish people and and kill anybody who gets in the way because we are in essence bloodthirsty. We want to hurt somebody. Now you've given us an excuse to do it. What, so, I, what, I, what I find interesting is I was in Seattle. I, I have a friend who's a PA there who left Utah, yeah. and I went down there to do some fishing with him. But I made him take me over to the Chaz area, you know, the Ooh, autonomous zone. Yeah, yeah. And he goes, he goes, are you sure you want me to go? I, I, you want to go there? And I said, yeah, I want to go talk to these people. He goes, dude, you're wearing a Trump hat, a Trump shirt, and all you have is your nine that you were able to check and take. I said, it's okay. I'm safe. Just drop me off. Let me go in there for a couple hours. I'll call you. You can pick me up. So I get there and I'm, I'm going to walk into this area and there's about six police officers in Seattle on bikes. And they're like, dude, you're not going in there wearing that, are you? And I said, yeah. And they said, we can't protect you. And I said, that's okay. I don't need protection. I have faith. And they said, what do you mean? I said, if I die trying to have a conversation, then I was meant to die having a conversation. So I went walking in there. And no sooner than I got out of the view where the police were outside of this area than um, three armed people, uh, two white and one African-American in in black body armor with, you know, their uh, ARs that uh, George Soros bought wrapped around their neck. And they come walking up to me and they said, we ought to kill you for wearing that shirt. I said, first, tell me. I said, that's fine. But first, tell me why you're here. Well, we're protesting hatred. I said, okay. I, 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 I said, wait a minute. Okay. I said, you're okay. protesting hatred, but yet I'm wearing this shirt and it offends you so much you're threatening to kill me. And they said, you don't understand. And I said, no, I think I, I think I understand. And they're like, you're outgunned here. And I said, wait, wait. I said, I don't know who bought you that body armor and I don't know who gave you that AR, but your AR, when you grabbed the, the ammunition off that George Soros bus, you should have looked for 556 five, because you grabbed 772 and that's not going to fit in your gun. And by the time you guys untangle your wraps around your neck and can point that at me, you're, you all three could be dead. Because my nine's easy, accessible, loaded, carries, you know, 26 rounds. And they go, we're wearing body armor. And I said, on your head? <laughs> we're, yeah, two, right. we're two feet away. I said, but I want to buy you a Coke. I want to buy you lunch. I want to find out why you're here, why you're doing this, why you're burning buildings, why you're vandalizing in the name of protesting hate. Yeah. And you should have seen the looks on their face. and. And the two white guys were like, F you, go away. And the, the, the one young black gentleman goes, you know, you're making sense. I said, well, let's have a conversation. We spent two hours sitting at a little table talking, and he left. He's like, I don't understand why we're here. He goes, I got so riled up watching and listening to everybody else, but I didn't know why I was here. And he's like, when you ask that question, why I'm here, if I – don't want hatred. Why am I threatening you? And I had the same thing. I took my family to Disneyland during Pride Month in 2019, and I was wearing a Trump shirt. And I'm sitting on a bench. I was taking pictures of gay couples all day. Hey, would you like to be in the picture too? Let me take it for you. I was being nothing but peaceable. And this lady and a group of guys went walking by me, and they turned around and said, we're going to tear that shirt off your body. 
I said, wait. I said, your shirt says peace, love, and accept everyone. My shirt just says I like this president. How does it offend you so much that you're threatening me? That you walked past me, had to turn back around and come back and threaten me. And I said, because I want to know that before the ambulance comes to take you away. And there's like, there's six of us. I said, you don't understand. I'm sitting here waiting. And by that time, my son, who's six something, my, my, my big African-American son came walking up. And I said, we don't want conflict. We're here with my family. You're letting a shirt because you hate this president make you have hatred towards me. And I'm here during your month being nothing but peaceable. And so that's what the left does. That's the anger we face. So how do we tell people to have discussions with these people? Because our kids, our grandkids are facing this every day. Yeah, but Tim, that is exactly why we have to have discussions with these people. I wrote this book because I know something that you just verified. There is always a Nicodemus among the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees hated Jesus. They were unreasonable. They were hypocritical. They were violent. They used dishonest means to slander him and to try to bring him down. But even so, among that group, as he spoke and tried to reason with people, someone responded and came to him and said, tell me more. Now, that's exactly what happened when you stormed in, basically, which hats off to you, man. A lot of people would not have done that. But But basically, what you were proving was what has always been true. We look at these mobs of people, and we are inclined to think it's hopeless. They're all nuts. They're all going to hell. Nobody can engage them, et cetera, et cetera. And in many cases, you know what? That's absolutely right. But what we don't know is who's who. Who is going to respond and who isn't? And any evangelist would tell us the same thing. When they preach to a stadium full of people— They don't know who's going to respond to the gospel. They don't know who's already saved, and they don't know who's there unsaved. They don't know. They're not supposed to know. The sower goes out to sow the word. Now the question becomes, will we faithfully engage people and sow the word? And here's an important word, reason. Will we try to reason with people? I wrote the book to help people be better equipped to reason with people and say just what you said. Is it fair to say I hate you because I disagree with you? Is it fair to say that my worldview makes me dangerous just because you find it offensive? Do you really want a culture in which only one viewpoint is allowed and all other viewpoints are suppressed? Those are reasonable questions that there will always be some people who will respond to. And that's the classic example you just gave. I always love it when I'm on social media or I'm out talking and somebody comes up and says, you don't understand what BLM is. You don't understand the movement. And I'm like, I was there. I was also there on January 6th. I was in Washington, D.C. I I interviewed pastors from Oklahoma and I met people peacefully from everywhere. I saw the difference. I saw the people at the Trump rally after watching President Trump speak, walk down the street, picking up garbage, not burning, not terrorizing, not doing anything. I saw the Antifa buses go there. I saw the security at the Capitol open up the doors and say, come on in. You know, I I saw a different thing, but that's not the narrative the media gave. But where was the narrative on Seattle? Where was the outrage on Portland? Where was the anger on Minnesota? 
And I tell people all the time, you know, my life has changed different. I lost a, a, a daughter uh, a few years back, and it's like, oh, I'm sorry. I, if I die in the cause of liberty, then I am among great people. Sure. But the, I don't have a death wish. You know, and right. they're like, well, why do you go have these conversations? Well, somebody has to ask them, and I'll walk away. I'll turn my back on them and walk, even if they're armed. And I'll say, I want you to think about why you're here. I'm not here to, to start anger or to start a fight. I'm asking why you're here. Explain to me your truths, and I'll tell you my truths. And if we agree to disagree, fine, let's go our own separate way. But when you start off the conversation by threatening me, with an AR that you obviously was given by the Democratic Party. And that's the funny thing, too. They admitted that a busload of weapons showed up there and armed them. Sure. Yep. And, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because our government's always been good at arming uprisings throughout the world if it suits their cause, but wanting to disarm conservative Christians in America. Right. Uh, right. So it's, it's don't be afraid to have the conversation. I guess that's what Joe and I uh, are really trying to tell you here. If you're afraid to have the own conversation with your own family, with your own kids and your own grandkids, and have the conversation unjudgmental and from a peaceful um, part of your heart, don't get anger like their professors do. Don't yell at them. Don't judge them. Ask them to explain their stance. Why? There is no explanation of the left. That's the one thing I've always learned. It's, I heard it. Or, well, it's wrong. Well, why, why is it wrong? What am I doing that's wrong or racist? You tell me, how am I going to change me if you can't even tell me what's wrong with me? You know, right. if you approach people civilly, they'll either A, really start to rethink their, their thought process, or B, they'll get very angry and start attacking and calling names. And when right. that happens, walk away. Because you've won when you walk away. They win if you engage. They win if you get angry. You know, it's, 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 it's the resistance in America needs to start with conservative Christians and patriots. And, you know, Tim, the early church did not worry about the kind of response they were going to get. They had a proper sense of urgency about the gospel. And this ultimately becomes a gospel issue. Of course, it is in the immediate sense about freedom in our nation. But it's also about eternal destiny. Because the people who told you they were going to rip the shirt off of you, the people who threatened you and said F you and all of that, there was something wrong between them and God, and they were either going to answer to God on the wrong side of the blood or the right side of the blood. We are, in essence, defending basic liberties because we hold a worldview, which in essence teaches us that humanity has fallen and that there is redemption available, but only one way through a Savior, Jesus. Ultimately, the conversations will get back to that. So it is critical to be having these conversations, both for the immediate cause and for the eternal cause. And again, the reason I wrote this book, Christians in a Cancel Culture, is because a lot of believers feel the way we do, but either they don't feel the green light to go ahead and say something, or if they say something, they're not sure what to say. That's why I wrote the book, so people would be equipped. However, as you know, 
You can give people good diet tips. You can give people good training tips. They're the ones who need to get their rears into the gym and do the work. What I am hoping we'll see is more robust Christianity in which members of the body of Christ will say, the gospel is not going to be preached on its own. It has been commissioned to us as stewards of truth. We preach the gospel. We speak to the vital issues of our time. That is how we be salt and light, because that's our job description. This is my uh, Twitter that's going to go out later today. It's critical race theory according to the Bible. And Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen Mm -hmm. short of the glory of God. It doesn't say whites have sinned or blacks have sinned. And then Romans 16.17, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions. Keep away from them. You know, what is it the left is trying to do? They're not trying to unite. Because what keeps government in control and bad government in control is for us to feel we need them. And for us to feel we need them, we have to hate each other. There has to be a battle. There has to be a conflict that they are the only ones that can solve it, supposedly. Mm -hmm. So they have spent the last few years dividing us. And we are way, way divided to where some conservatives – myself included, are saying we need a separation. You know, Mm. we need conservative states to go our own way. They'd never allow it because they need the working conservative Christian. They just need the working conservative uh, Christian to fall in line. And and that's exactly what the Germans wanted. They wanted everybody to fall in line with their beliefs. And if you went against their beliefs, they killed you. And we're not to that point yet, but they're killing our spirit. They're killing our soul. They want us to stay at home and lose these conversations and give up on God and turn our backs on God because what is evil will become good and what is good will become evil. And they've been training that and pre-programming that into our minds for years. Yeah. And I think that this is where we accept what I believe has always been true biblically, the fact that God has commissioned his church and the members of his church with the capacity to speak. The greatest things accomplished we see in scripture are usually accomplished through speech. Someone speaks prophetically, someone speaks under the anointing, someone speaks a sermon, someone speaks a teaching, and it is through the communicated word that transformation comes. This we cannot shy away from. And again, that's why I wrote this book. I want to see Christians better equipped and fired up to do what we're commissioned to do. I tell people all the time, I'm sort of the redneck radio host. You know, I'm on here, I talk. Words are powerful. My mother told me, words are powerful, but your actions define you. Yeah. You can have beliefs. Beliefs are powerful. But what are your actions showing your children and your grandchildren? Are you defending God? Because that's the question God's going to ask you when you meet your maker. Did you defend me? Were you willing to sacrifice to protect your children, my children? Mm-hmm. And, and so many of us won't be able to answer that question correctly. JoeDallas.com, you can pre-order the book, Christians in a Cancel Culture. Joe, any final words? You have about a minute to, to say goodbye to the audience. Let's keep in mind there is something more important than comfort in life. There is the quality of life. The quality of your life is not what it's meant to be if you are afraid to say what you fully believe. If you cannot do that, no matter how much comfort you have, you are not free. If you are willing to say what you most deeply believe, regardless of the consequences, you will be free. There's the choice. And this is how you can take action 
today. When we post this show and it's going out on social media, share it. Retweet it. Share it on your LinkedIn, your Telegram, your Facebook. Get the message out there. This conversation was highly important and highly educational for me because we have to stand for something. If you don't stand for something, you're going to fall. You know, there's that uh, country song that says that. The 4th of July is coming up, and they don't want it to be patriotic anymore. Make sure you stand with the Pledge of Allegiance when that flag goes by. You know, don't let them play the hip-hop music and everything else. Go request the MC. I'm an MC at a parade. I only play patriotic music. Go request the MC play Johnny Cash's This Old Flag. You know, I hand out constitutions, pocket constitutions at my parades. Get some. Give them to people. You know, don't get in an argument. Just say, hey, I want you to read this. You know, when's the last time you read the Constitution? Most people won't tell you. You know, and if my show doesn't match your passions, if your passions is pro-life or if your passions passions is pro-Second Amendment, it doesn't matter. We need to unite under one umbrella because they're all protected under God's document. God's divine document, the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, is under attack, folks. And we can save it if we unite under one flag. And it's not the rainbow flag. It's not the Black Lives Matters flag. It's the flag of freedom. And until next time, folks, take care. Look down deep into my heart.